Welcome to CE Online. To get more connected, head over to churchexperience.tv forward slash connect. Please stand and join us as we lift our voices to sing to our God. Let's 
you for who you are, God, for your goodness, Lord. We just thank you for being our protector and giving us that confidence, Lord, to trust you. Thank you, God, for just making a way in our hearts, in our lives, and in this place as we worship you and learn more about you, God. We just love you, God. Just thank you for your presence. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. What's up, church experience? I hope you've had a great week, and I hope you've recovered from last weekend. Many of us here in Central Florida are Tampa Bay Bucks fans, and we had a heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. Dashed all our hopes of Tom Brady winning a second Super Bowl in a row for our team. It's too bad, because we were favored to win that game, but you wouldn't know it at halftime. 
all the momentum in the world was going for the Los Angeles Rams, and we were down 27 to 3. I'd imagine a lot of Bucks fans just turned their television off. They couldn't watch it anymore. They figured, okay, this game is over. There's no chance we're going to win. But I want to know what happened in that locker room. Because they came out of halftime, and they were playing so hard and so well. We caught up 27 to 27, tied the game. And I'm sure that everybody in Raymond James Stadium thought the Bucs were going to win that game. Because when they came back from 27-3 to tie it up 27-27, all the momentum was on our side. But then in the last seconds of the game, the Los Angeles Rams kicked a field goal, and they came out on top. Man, sports is all about momentum, and they, they had it. We, we, they had it at the beginning, and then we had it, and then we lost it again. And it's too bad. It's kind of like your girlfriend breaking up with you twice. <laughs> she breaks up with you, says it's over, gives you another chance, and then she breaks up with you again. We thought we were going to lose twice in the same game. But it's rough when the momentum's against you. And I've seen so many basketball games where a coach literally called timeout to stop the momentum of the other team. Because momentum is how you win the game. And momentum... Is how you accomplish your goals. Today, we're going to talk about building momentum towards your God dream. Whatever it is that God's put in your heart for your faith and your family, for your future, we're going to talk about building momentum toward those dreams, turning them into reality. This is the last week of our teaching series called Big Dreams and Small Steps, where we've been taking steps together to see God's kingdom come in our lives, to see his will be done. Before we get to where we're going to camp out most of this message in the book of Philippians, we're going to start instead in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to just ask this question, how do, how do I come under the anointing of God with my dream? How do I have God, God smile down over my dreams? How do, how do I submit and surrender my dreams to God and his dream for my life? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to begin, and, and I know that I know that some of you are starting from different places. Some of you might feel stuck right now, like you have zero momentum, and you'd love to get some forward progress going. Some of you might feel like you have reverse momentum, and that's the worst kind. It's like you're moving, you're just moving in the wrong way. Some of you might feel like you do have momentum, but it's not going fast enough, and you want to find out how to get more momentum. But wherever you're starting from, where we're going today is to help you get more momentum moving toward the dream that God's given you. The first couple of weeks of this teaching series, we talked about how to discover God's dream for your life, to begin with the end in mind and make sure that you're headed toward the right dreams, not your own, but God's dreams. And so if you miss those weeks, I hope you'll go back and listen to those. But today, let's talk about how to accomplish those dreams and build momentum toward those ends. First Corinthians chapter six, God's word says this in verse 19. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means when, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit comes and, and lives in you. You're now God's property. He says you were bought at a price. You're not your own. You're, this is God's possession. He owns it all. It's his. You surrender your life to him. That's what part of crossing the line of faith is. It's saying, God, it's, it's not about me anymore. It's about you. I want to live for you. My life is not my own life. It's your life. It's my, my dreams are not my own dreams. I'm, I'm committing them to you. I'm surrendering them to you. And saying, God, like, like you own it all, everything. I'm yours. I'm all in. And when this passage says that you were bought at a price. It's talking about the good news. 
And Jesus, he came and he paid the price for your, your sins. He paid the wages due for your sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death, and Jesus did die physically for you, but you were headed for an eternal spiritual death. But Jesus instead stepped in, and he died on the cross for your sins, gave his life so that you could have new life if you just receive him into your life. And it says you were bought at a price. And, and our salvation is free. It doesn't cost you anything. It's not based on your works. It's not based on your church attendance. It's not based on how good your prayer life is. Like Your salvation, being saved from your sins, it's, it's through one way, Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's, it's through faith in him. So it's, it's absolutely free to everyone who would receive this great gift of salvation. It's free. But it was not free to Jesus. It cost him his life. He was painfully persecuted and then executed on that cross for you, and he did it because he loves you. And when you receive that gift of salvation, you're surrendering your life to God in humility, saying it's not about me anymore, and you're receiving the forgiveness of God, the hope of heaven, and the presence of the Lord Almighty with you here and now. And so a lot of things change as you start to follow Jesus. You're not chasing your own dreams anymore. You're, you're surrendering to God and saying, God, I want your dream for my life. I want your will to be done, not my will. And so you wanna make sure that as you're moving towards a dream and you're chasing it, that you have surrendered it to God, that you're, that you're pursuing what he wants for your life, his will, because your life is his now. You've been bought at a price that Jesus paid. And, and you know, I, I read things like this, I think, man, it would be so great to have an example, a role model. If we, if we could just look and see somebody actually living this out, because what's that look like for my life to be God's property? You know, I've been bought at a price, so what's it look like if, if God's really living in me and I'm living for him? Like, what's that look like? Well, thankfully, throughout Scripture, we're not only given instruction and great teaching, but we're given some great models and some imperfect models. People that didn't always get it right, but we can see in them how they express their faith through their humanity. And, and one of those people who so well expressed their faith in Christ through their humanity was, was the Apostle Paul, as we know him. And the Apostle Paul, he used to persecute Christians. He was passionately against Jesus in the way of Christianity. And then he met Jesus. He had an, he had an encounter with Christ supernaturally. And, and God changed his life. And then he started becoming this aggressive missionary and church planner, this preacher telling everybody about Jesus. He was building God's kingdom. And in fact, he wrote much of what you read in the New Testament is written by Paul, inspired by God, but written by this man who used to persecute followers of Jesus. And, and this guy was so passionate about building God's kingdom. He, he was really someone who modeled what we just read about in 1 Corinthians. Like he was God's property. He's like, it doesn't matter in, in suffering or success, in plenty or in want. It doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's, it's about God's kingdom come through me. And so I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And, and you read the, the pages of the story of his life, and it's incredible to see his faith and his, his tenacity. There's how much he went after God's purpose in his life. And, and, and that's really the calling for us to, to live this out, to be all in for God's dream, for God's dream in our life. And so as you think about the dreams that you have for God and, and what he wants to do in, in your relationships and in your reality, whatever that looks like, what, what you want to make better for God, how do you build momentum? Well, well, Paul, he modeled this so well because he had so much momentum in his life, so many good things. And he had reverse momentum at the beginning. He was going the wrong way. But then when God changed his life, he started moving towards God aggressively and he saw all kinds of incredible things. So how did he do it? 
Well, there's, there's three lessons specifically that I learned from Paul's life on how to build momentum towards God's dream. And as we look at these passages in Philippians today, starting in Philippians chapter one, I think you're gonna learn some really helpful things to help you move towards God's dreams for your future. The first one is found in Philippians chapter one, beginning in verse one. This is a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church and it begins this way. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, notice some of the things that he mentions here in this passage. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus. So, so Timothy was a protege, if you will, of Paul. He, he was a mentee. He's someone he poured his life into, invested into him. Paul didn't do ministry alone. He, he served the Lord alongside others. And, and Timothy was someone that, that he served with, that he trained, that he taught. He invested his life into. And then he speaks to a group of people at this church of Philippi, and he names all these different people, these overseers, these deacons, these leaders in this local church. He addresses them and he goes on, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. So what he's saying is some of the, the greatest blessings in my ministry has been you. It's, it's been about the people, not all the projects we've accomplished. The projects are important. And he was after some important projects, starting churches and traveling around, preaching. All these things were important, but he says it was about the people. He says, I thank God for you. And, and notice what he says here. He says, because of your partnership, partnership. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel, you know, we've seen all these great things and it's, and it's been through partnership. See, Paul, Paul modeled this, this lesson that we, we see God's kingdom multiplied through partnership. See, as you pursue dreams for God, you're gonna need partnerships if you wanna see those dreams become reality. Think about it. Whatever your God dream is, I, I don't know what your dream is, but I want you to think about it just real clearly for a moment. What's the dream? For your faith or your family, your future. What, what is that dream? Think about it. You need people to be praying for that dream. Not just for the dream itself, but for you as you pursue the dream. Prayer's powerful and you need to be, have people praying for you. You need to have people that are encouraging you when you get discouraged, that are going on that journey with you. You need teammates that will partner with you in accomplishing that dream if you want to accomplish God-sized dreams. You need to have people that will hold you accountable to fulfill the dream that God's put in your life. You need people to advise you. You need people to rejoice with you and mourn with you. See, other people make the dream so much better. Here's the lesson in it. Partnership propels the dream further. Partnership propels the dream further. Here, here's what I'm trying to say to you. Whatever God's dream is for your life, it will be better if you do it together. We're better together. We really are, and God doesn't want you to pursue your dream alone. He, he wants to surround you with his church, with other people who can help you fulfill the dreams that God has for your life. And so how do you build momentum? You, you invite others into the dream. Who do you need to invite into the God dream that he's placed into your life? Have you shared that dream with others? Have you invited them to pray for you? to participate in the dream. See, partnership is what propels the dream forward. And Paul was all about partnership. He partnered with people to build God's kingdom and God's kingdom came in a very powerful way because of partnership. Who are you partnering with? 
You might say, I, I don't know who to partner with. I, I don't really have other believers close to me in my life. Listen, reach out to us. Let us know how we can help. Churchexperience.tv backslash connect. We would love to help you get connected. Just fill that form out and put your information on there. We would love to connect with you. We have life groups throughout our church. We have serving teams. There's many opportunities to get connected. And we're about to launch quite a few life groups here, at least here in Dunedin at our central campus. As we move into this new year, we're going to launch a lot of life groups. And we'll have signups in our lobby if you're attending in person. If you're online, you can still sign up. But we'd love to see you get connected. Because when we experience life together, we experience more of the full life that Jesus Christ offers. Partnership will propel your dream forward. It will build momentum. Who do you need to partner with? Who is it that you need to invite into your dream? Let's move on to the next thing here. I see in Philippians uh, chapter three. In Philippians chapter three, Paul shares through his life an amazing example for us if we want to build momentum. Check out verse seven. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Verse nine, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, Paul here, he says, all all the accomplishments in my life They mean nothing compared to the surpassing, in other words, the greater worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. And and for his sake, I've lost all things. Like like every other thing compared to Christ. Like if if you were to put them side by side and compare them and contrast them, like everything else is a loss compared to how great Christ is in my life. He's like, he is first, he's highest, he's best. Like my greatest dream is Jesus. Of all the other dreams in my life, of all the places I want to go, of all the things I want to accomplish, like Jesus is greatest. Can you say that about your dream? Because if you have any dream in your life that eclipses your desire to be close to Jesus, you're missing out on God's dream for your life. You have a very small dream. Your dream can be so much bigger, so much greater, and it can only be the greatest dream that God has for you if Jesus is first. Because God has no dream for you that does not include Jesus being first in your life. And and Paul's just saying this. He says, like, compared to everything else in my life, all those other things are distractions compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus in my life and what he's done. And as he's saying this, what he's essentially saying is all these other things are lesser things. And I like specifically what he says in verse 8. Philippians 3, verse 8. Take a look at this. He says, I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Did you see that? He says, all these other things, all the successes, any other good things in my life, all of those things compared to Christ, he says, I consider them garbage. Now, were they garbage? No, they're really good things. And you have a lot of good things in your life too. But any of them compared to Christ, he says they're garbage compared to Christ. What what he's doing is simply this. He's prioritizing. He's putting things in order in his life. It's not that he doesn't have other things in his life. He's just saying they're all garbage in comparison to Christ. Like if I could have any other good thing in life or Christ, I want Christ. That's what he's saying. And this is is so critical that you understand this and and get what he's saying. He's saying I'm taking out the garbage in my life. 
All the distractions, none of those things can compete with Christ in my life. You know, taking out the garbage is not a lot of fun, is it? There's issues with taking out the garbage. I mean, you, you get it out of the, the trash can, and you tie it up, you carry it out of the house, you throw it in the garbage bin, and then you come back in, you open the door, and you look, and there's a trail of maybe it's milk, maybe water, whatever it is, that's stuff that seeped down to the bottom of the trash bag, and there was a hole in it, and it just, you have a mess to clean up all the way across the floor. Isn't that terrible? Then you get outside your house, and you realize that your garbage bin is full and the, the trash guy's not coming until tomorrow and you don't want to set the trash bag next to the garbage bin because you know that a raccoon's going to get into it and make a mess all over your yard. So you've got to get it in there. And have you ever done this? Have you ever got up on top of your trash bin and stood in it and then just jumped trying to get all the trash down inside, compacted down in there? I mean, it's, it's not fun taking the garbage out. Sometimes there's, there's issues. And it's not fun getting rid of all the other distractions in your life that are competing because they're things that, that we've grown to, to cherish and to, to value, to love. The other dreams in your life, I'm sure you have a lot of dreams, but if those dreams are competing with Christ's dream in your life, and listen, if you're so busy pursuing your dream that your relationship with Jesus is being sidelined, then you're not playing on the right field. The field of dreams that you're playing on is your personal dreams, and you'll regret it. But when you step out into God's field of kingdom dreams, they're so much bigger. They're eternal and lasting. So many people live for dreams that are earthly, that they one day will be forgotten about, that they won't matter. But when you step out into God's kingdom dream field and you live for him, you're living for something that's lasting. And Paul is saying, I'm taking out the garbage. Any other distraction, anything that's keeping me from pursuing Christ, I consider it garbage. Anything that's competing, any other thing in my life that I valued and treasured, that I felt good about myself because I've accomplished these things. Listen, Christ surpasses all those things. So what, what dreams are distracting you from God's dream? If your life is so full that you're not walking closely with Jesus, then you're pursuing the wrong dreams or at least you're not rightly ordering your life to where God's dream is first. So, so what distractions do you need to weed out of your life so that you can more fully build momentum towards God's dream? Can you, can you think of a few things right now that might be competing dreams that you need to minimize so you can elevate God's dream? See, here, here, here's the lesson. Take out the garbage. Maybe you want to write that down, but get it in your heart. Take out the garbage. Maybe there's some garbage in your life, and it might be sin. It might be literally garbage in your life you need to get rid of. You may need help getting rid of it. Because maybe it's been laying around for a while and it's starting to stink up your life. You're not really sure how to clean up the mess. Listen, God can help you, but he wants to use others. So, so go back to that first point point. get some partners in your life to say, hey, I got I to gotta take out the garbage. I need your help. I need your accountability. I need your advice. But I got to take out the garbage in my life because this stuff is ruining God's dream for my future and for my family. So take out the garbage. But listen, sometimes the, the garbage, you know, in this case that Paul's referring to, he, he had been very successful and what he did prior to experiencing Jesus. And he's saying, you know, all these other things that people looked up to me for and that, that I felt accomplished in, I consider those things garbage. And, and you might have other things in your life that you've held on to tightly, that you've highly valued, that have been a big part of your life. But those things are really in competition with Christ. They may not all necessarily have to be in competition with Christ, but, but for you they are. Because 
You put your first time into those things. You put your first passion into those things. The thing that you really care about the most, you know, you measure that by what you think about when you fall asleep at night. What you do first thing in the morning when you wake up, what you're excited about. Usually that gives us an indication in our heart to what we really care about. Where we put our time, where we invest our financial resources, where we put our greatest efforts. And just little clues, little breadcrumbs along the trail leading us to what we really care about, what our real dream is. So, so what, what real dream do you have? Is it God's dream? If not, you need to take out the garbage. You need to rightly order your life. If you want to build momentum towards God's great dream in your life, you've got to take out the garbage. Are there any distractions competing against the dream in your life right now? Take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. One person said it's easy to say no when there's a deeper yes burning inside. How, how do you get clear on this? How do you get that tenacity that the Apostle Paul had? I consider all the things garbage. You, you have a greater yes a burning yes, like Jesus is my yes. You, you wanna change some things in your marriage? Get closer to Jesus because the fruit of that spirit that's in you, you're, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. That, the fruit, the byproduct of the spirit of God in you, those nine qualities listed out in Galatians 5, love and joy and peace, patience, self-control, gentleness. I mean, you, you'll become more gentle with the other person. You'll, you'll become more loving and kind when you have the Spirit of God really working and moving in your life. When, he, when it's not just a religion on the shelf of your life or a status that you claim Christian, and it's actually in you and a part of you, and you're living for Jesus, you're pursuing his dream. Listen, it's gonna spill out into everything that you do. And you can still have career dreams, but now they're redeemed because now you're trying to be successful in your career, so you have a platform to tell others about Jesus. You, you might still be trying to be really successful and, and make a lot of money in your career, but you're doing that so you can help the poor. So you can give to those who have less. See, it's not about you anymore and your comfort. It's about a calling. It's about following Jesus. Now you want to start that business, not because you want to be somebody, but because you want to help other somebodies. And I can employ other people and give them good jobs. I can provide good benefits and compensation and health care for those who need it. Or, or I, I can build something that will make a difference in the world for God. See, see you, you want to do those same dreams perhaps, but you do them differently because now God's a part of the picture. You need a deeper yes. And you need to take out the garbage. You take out the garbage. Well, it's time for, for a lot of us to drown out some of the distractions in our life, to eliminate the excuses, to overcome the obstacles. And I don't know what you're waiting for, but this is the day. This is the day to reconcile God's dream with where you're investing your life and your time. Focus on what matters. And focus is really, as they say, it's deciding what you're not gonna do. So I, instead of just deciding what you're gonna do this week, I want you to decide what you're not gonna do, where you need to take out the garbage so you can say yes to God's best. There's one more lesson I wanna look at in Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, if you look with me down at verse 12, and Paul writes these words. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So his message was so Jesus-centric. It was like Jesus is the center of my life, like is what it's all about. Like he's taken hold of me. He's got my attention and my affection. Like my mind is set on him, on eternal things through Christ. It's all about him. He's the surpassing value of my life. So he says, I, I, I wanna take hold of these things. He says, but one thing I do. So, so here's the one thing. He goes, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on to the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm doing this one thing. I'm forgetting about what's in my past. And listen, everybody has a past. Paul had a past. 
Paul was persecuting Christians, the same Christians he's now trying to disciple and build up. These were the same people that he was persecuting. Now he's trying to plant new churches, and he was trying to close them down and throw them in jail. See, he had a past, and I heard somebody once say that every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Every sinner, every sinner has a future. And I don't know what your past looks like, but I hope you won't give up on your future just because of your past, because God can redeem your past. He can bring beauty out of the ashes, good out of the bad. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. God can still do great things through your life, and he's still dreaming big dreams for your life. You may have taken many steps in the wrong direction, but he still has some small steps you need to take to move towards his big dreams for your future. And when we're sitting around thinking about all of the things in our past that weren't right, God's thinking about our potential. And when we're sitting around thinking about all of our failures, God's thinking about your future. So join him in that. Join, join him in dreaming again about your future. And Paul says, you know, I forget about what's in the past. You know, Paul could have dwelled on all the things that he got wrong and how he was headed the wrong direction. And that could have really messed him up and kept him from pursuing the dream that God had. But instead he said, you know, forgetting about what's behind, I'm pressing on toward what's ahead, to what God has for me now. I didn't get it all right and I'm not gonna get it all right in the future, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this one thing. I'm going to press on toward the goal for which Christ has called me, heavenward in Christ. I'm going to move towards my future. I came across this quote one time I thought would be helpful to share. One of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when we are overtaken by temporary defeat. When we experience setbacks and adversity, conflict, like it's so easy just to sit on the sidelines and withdraw yourself from the playing field. And say, you know what? It's not worth it. I give up. I can't do it. I failed. And, and when you have temporary defeat, don't you give up because God's still dreaming. And, and you might be tempted to give up on your dream, but God's never going to give up on his dream for you. And Paul, you know, he faced his fair share of adversity and problems. I just want to read this verse in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. This is a simple glimpse into what Paul experienced so many times as he tried to preach and share the gospel. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Did you see that? Like the whole crowd was against them. This is the people that Paul is trying to lead to a relationship with Jesus. He's preaching to them to help them, and yet now they're attacking him. And those in authority are commanding that they're beaten. I mean, they're stripped. They're embarrassed publicly in front of others. They're beaten with rods. The crowd's attacking them. I mean, this is not easy, yet Paul keeps going. Time after time, something like this happens, and he gets up every time. He gets up from the setback, and he sets his direction on Christ. And he says, I'm pursuing that dream of Jesus. Whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. I'm living for him, not for my success, not to avoid suffering. I'm pursuing Jesus and his dream for my life. And, and he would do it. Whatever it takes, he'd put it all out there. Why? Because he wanted to honor Jesus and his dream, not his own dream. I have a, a neighbor who delivers groceries for others. You've seen these apps like Shipped, maybe your favorite grocery store. They offer grocery delivery now. It's amazing how this has proliferated all around and people are ordering their groceries to be delivered to their doorstep. Well, I see him going out all the time for this. And I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe you have a job working for a grocery delivery service. And it's really simple. I mean, you really just have one job. Like your one job is to take the groceries from the store, load them in 
to your vehicle because someone else has already like went around the store and shopped for them and you know lo load them into your vehicle and then drive them to the destination and leave them on the doorstep. I mean, it's just the most simple job. I mean, just, just pick them up from point A and drive to point B without distraction and deliver. And if you do that, five-star rating, if you get them there on time and they're there where they should be, I mean, home run, you did it. But I just want you to imagine with me the delivery driver that has all this food in his vehicle. And he might start smelling some of that fresh food and thinking, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. And I know I need to deliver all these groceries to this house, but, but there's chilies. And I really want some of that cheese and bean dip. And man, I could just use a good chicken sandwich right now. So he pulls into chilies. All the groceries are in the car. And the family's waiting for their groceries. And they, they pull into the parking spot at chilies. They go inside. They sit down and order a nice meal. And they're sitting there for an hour eating this nice meal. And about the time they're done with the meal, they think, you know what I need to do? I need to go over to the countryside mall, and, and I need to run a few errands. There's a few things I need to pick up. And so they go in the mall, and they start walking around the mall. Groceries out in the car. And they're just shopping. They're having a good old time. He's calling a friend. And all the time, the groceries are not being delivered. And then, then they see the sign for Cobb Theater. There's a, a new Spider-Man movie out. I'm going to go check that thing out. And they, they, they go into the movie. They buy their ticket. And they're sitting out two hours watching the Spider-Man movie. All the while, the groceries are sitting out in the vehicle. Like, like, did they complete their mission? Did they do the one thing they were supposed to do? No, they didn't. They just had to pick the groceries up and move from point A to point B. They had a very simple job. One job, that's all they had to do was make the delivery. They had to follow the directions. There's one job that you have to do, and that's follow God's directions. That, that one thing, that next step, the one thing is not even really the big dream way out there. It's it's just the next thing. It's the next thing that he's asked you to do. It's to be obedient to that, to know what your one thing is and, and focus on that one thing and give, give your full passion and commitment to it, whatever that one thing is. And it might be a simple, small step, but that, that one thing that you choose to be faithful in, that, that one step of obedience, the one that you've been delaying, the one that's just so clear right in front of you, I need to take that step until you do that one thing. It's never going to become a done thing. And, and that's really the final lesson here. If you want to build momentum in your life, you don't let up until your one thing is the done thing. You, you don't let up until the one thing is the done thing. And if you want the one thing to be done, then you've got to take the step. If you want the big dream to become a reality, you've got to take a step. If you want to build momentum, you've got to take the next step. So listen, what's your next step? Towards God's dream, not your own, what, what's the next step? for you. Do you know what that is? If not, pray and the Holy Spirit who's inside you will guide you and direct you. Get some advice. That's why you partner together with others. And maybe that's your next step is a step of partnership with others. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is taking out the garbage, eliminating distractions. Maybe your next step is focus. Focus on the one thing. With everything you've got, that next step, just, just take that next step. You just keep focusing on the next step. One, the, the big picture is too overwhelming. It's too big. To, just the next step. What's, what's the next step? You'd be faithful in it. And listen, if every night before you go to bed, you write down the one thing that you need to do the next day. I, I have a pattern of this. I'll, I'll take my, my task list, which sometimes has dozens of things on it, things I, I need to do and get done. And what I do every night before I go to bed is I, I take the top three things. Of all, of all those other competing priorities, I take the top three things, put them in order. And the next morning when I wake up, after I spend my time alone with God, that, that's my first thing. That's my number one thing. After I spend my time alone with God, I'll look at my calendar to see what's coming for the day ahead. 
And then I go right into that first thing, my next thing, my next step. All the other competing inboxes and opportunities, all the problems, all those things, I just try to neglect those things for the one thing. What's, what's the next thing, the most important thing? And, and if, you, if you will do what the apostle Paul did as he pursued his dream and focus on the one thing, your one thing will become eventually a done thing. And if you want to get the same results that everybody else is getting in our world, then do the same things everyone else is doing. But if you want to build momentum towards God's dream, you're going to have to work a little harder. The apostle Paul had to hustle. You might have to get up a little bit earlier. You might have to stay up a little bit later. You might have to pour a little bit more into it. But if you want to see God's dream fulfilled in your life, then you're going to have to do what other people are not doing. And you're going to have to focus. You're going to have to take out the garbage. You're going to have to partner with others. But if you will do that, you will see God do such amazing things in your life. And, and why? why? Why do all these things? Why, why go the extra mile? Why make sacrifices? Why get up every time that you fall down? Why love others when they don't love you back? Why, why be tenacious when you're being persecuted? Why, why press on toward the goal to win the prize? Why do all these things? Why? Well, it's actually because of your why. That's, that's the answer to your question of why. Why do this? Why keep going? Why not, why not give up? Why? Well, the answer is, is that word. It's, it's your why. It's the reason. It's your purpose. It's the dream. And listen, there's no greater why there's no greater dream. There's no greater mission than pursuing Jesus with everything you've got. The greatest dream is the one the apostle Paul had. And he, he's, that's the reason why he's such a great example is because he lived for the one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and pursuing what God has for me ahead. I'm living for Jesus. I've set my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith who went before us and humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. See, Jesus was his why. And when you make Jesus your why, you will see God do such great things and fulfill so many dreams in your life that are his dreams. Might be different dreams than what you were dreaming, but God's dreams are so much greater. They're so much better. So what's your why? Why are you living? What's your big dream? My hope is that it will be Jesus and his dreams for you. And as you pursue that with everything you've got, as you eliminate distractions by taking out the garbage, and as you partner with others and be a part of God's church, I believe you're gonna see God's great dream come true in your life, one step at a time. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. Hey, Father, thank you so much for including us in your dream. While we were still sinners, God, you looked down from heaven and you said, I, I have a dream. I have a dream that we can be in relationship once again. And, and God, you sent your son, Jesus, because you loved us so much, to give his life on the cross so we can be forgiven. God, that is the greatest message of all time, and we're so thankful that you've included us in that dream, your dream, for us, by Jesus. And God, it's because of that, it's because of Jesus and all he's done that we want to dream great dreams for you. We, we wanna think bigger, we wanna we want stretch farther, we wanna see your kingdom come to greater degrees in our families, in our own lives in the people's lives that we care about. God, we wanna see your kingdom come. And so God, help us dream bigger. For the person today who's listening and has been thinking about starting a business, God, may they dream even bigger to start a great business for their great God and do great things for his kingdom. God, for the person who wants to get involved in ministry, God, I pray that you'd, you'd call them to dream bigger, to see that it's a calling worth giving their life to, to make a greater difference, to touch more lives and touch them more deeply because of their why, which Jesus is always you. God, whatever it is that we're dreaming about these days, I pray that you would just expand our vision, expand the provision for your dream. 
Because God is worth it. Because you're at the center of the target. You're what we're aiming for. And we're forgetting about what's behind. We can't change our past. And we don't know what's in the future. But Jesus, we know that today, this next step, if we focus on you, we know that by taking that small step, we'll get to the big dreams that you have ahead for us. So God, may your will be done. And may your kingdom come in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today at Church Experience Online. Let us know what you thought about this service today. Head over to churchexperience.tv connect. That's also a great place for any questions, comments, or prayer requests. We can't wait to see you next week for our brand new teaching series, Fixer Upper. Have a great week.